0: Thank you for choosing to connect with North Collins Wesleyan Church. We are a church of all ages that is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our congregation enjoys worship, fellowship, discipleship, and community outreach. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. found in North Collins, New York. The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Justin Leininger. Again, thank you for joining with us, and we hope you enjoy this weekend we are beginning a message series looking into some of the key moments in the life and ministry and walk with Jesus of Peter. Moments in Peter's life that were meaningful. And we recognize in scripture that Peter is probably the most popular among Jesus' disciples. In fact, we can take out probably he is that. He is the most popular disciple. He is in scripture, especially in the gospels, he is the disciple that is referenced so much more than any of the other disciples. That is Peter. And we don't really have a defined, at times, leader of the disciples, but in many ways, Peter is that. If it was unofficial or official, we can say that Peter was that guy. Now, we know his name was not originally Peter. In fact, you're going to hear him called Simon or Peter or Simon Peter. Simon was actually his original name, but Jesus named him Cephas or Peter, which means rock. So it kind of leaves us with that question. What does it take to get the nickname rock or the rock? What would it take to be that person, to have that name from Jesus. That is pretty interesting, and in many ways, that's what this message series is about. What made Peter the rock, and how can we achieve that kind of stance that we can be a rock for Jesus Christ in this world? Now, to be the rock, that has to mean something amazing, right? We have a rock in our society, in our culture right now. There is the rock, and, and we have someone officially or unofficially name that, and I actually didn't research to find out if they named themselves that or if someone else gave them that name, but we have someone, Dwayne Johnson, who through WWF or WWE or whatever it's called right now, through becoming a movie star, is The Rock. And let's be honest, if he named himself that or if someone else did, it's okay because He's someone who we can't really argue with about that. If you're going to be called the rock, you've got to be able to back that up. And by his size and strength, oh, he can back that up. I'm not going to argue with him about that. Oh, I can call you the rock. That is okay. You are strong enough to, to be the rock, and I'm okay with that. When I was in high school, I used to pretend at times to be the rock with my friends and not really pretend because honestly, yeah, there's not a lot here that's going to pretend to be the rock, but I would do that simply by doing one thing, right? I would raise an eyebrow and look around because if you know him, that's something that he does and that's all it takes, right? Just raising an eyebrow, that is clearly all it takes. We know that that's not true. What does it take to be called the rock? To be called a rock, the rock, a rock. And more importantly, to get that title from Jesus, what does that take? Now, we know Peter. We, as we said earlier just a few moments ago, Peter's the disciple who's talked about the most in the Gospels. Of all of them, we, I mean, we don't really, really know Peter, but we know Peter better than we know most of the disciples. We know a good bit about Peter's just moments in in his walk with Jesus. And the truth is, as we think about what we do know about Peter, and we, then we think about this name, the rock, there's probably a part of us that are a little bit like, mm, Jesus, that's the guy that's the rock? Like, that is the guy? Because there's quite a bit, if you know Peter, you know there's quite a few things that should leave you to question that. If you know Peter, you know that he is the guy who failed to walk on water, right? He got in the water and then eventually started to sink. You know that he's the guy, he's the disciple that got regularly corrected by Jesus in some big, somewhat embarrassing ways and moments with Jesus. And you also know that that Peter is the disciple that denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And then abandoned Jesus in his biggest moment of need. And so the rock. I imagine there were many times when Peter didn't feel like Jesus the rock. But we recognize that that's fairly relatable. Because I would ask us right now as we try to follow Jesus Christ with our lives is, do we feel like a rock for him? Do we feel like the rock? I think many of us after Christmas, we might say, oh, I feel like I could sink like a rock. Like, I feel like a rock that way. And I understand that. But do we feel in our heart and in our mind, in our spirit, do we feel like a rock in our confidence do we feel like a rock for Jesus Christ? Or do we question that? Do we at times have questions about who we are, about what value or worth we have, why we matter, how we can make a difference? These are questions that matter, and they are questions that plague us regularly. From an early age and all throughout life, one of the greatest things that negatively impacts our lives is a lack of confidence. A negative view of our image a pessimistic understanding of our place in this world. And I'll be honest with you, if this isn't isn't real with you, I'll, I'll say this is real with me. Confidence is real with me. It is a battle. Confidence is something I struggle weekly, daily with. And it is something that as a pastor, I regularly see people struggle with in our community here in North Collins, in Western New York. People of all ages, they battle with this. Because when we have no confidence, it impacts us in so many ways. Confidence is a big deal. I've heard it said that confidence is key or confidence is king. And and we recognize that we need and we look for confidence. But in this world that we find ourselves in, with social media, with the ability to look around the world and and to try to raise our spirits, but also the the ability to see what's happening with other people and and to value ourselves against other people and, and just how it works in our schools, at our work, even at our church, we recognize our confidence is often... In a battle, our confidence is is being attacked by what we find around us in this world. So I would encourage each and every one of us as we recognize this struggle to open our hearts to what God has for us today. What do we do with our confidence and where do we find it? What we find in Peter is someone who didn't have a lot to be personally confident in. But what we further see in Peter's life is that that didn't matter because he had the one thing that did matter. Just a little bit at first. First, just a little bit of reluctant faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. And in this world, that is all he needed. That is all we need to change the world. What we see from Peter is that in the first step to being the rock, it is just having a small amount of faith and belief to reluctantly say yes to Jesus Christ. We find this in Peter's call to follow Jesus. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. In your pew chair Bibles, if you want to look there, you can. It's found on page 1019. Now the book of Luke is one of the four gospels. It's written about Jesus's life. In Luke 5, it's early in the book. And so We we are at the spot where we see Jesus just coming into ministry. Jesus has done a few miracles. He's done a few big things. He's healed some people, but he hasn't even called his disciples yet. And so actually when we find this moment, Jesus is in the process. He's going to, to have another miracle, and through that he's going to call his first disciples. So this is what we find. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Again, page 1019 in those pew chair Bibles. If you want to turn there, you can. It says this. Says one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now. We understand these boats, so their fishermen are washing the nets. At this time, it made sense to fish usually, especially with the net at night where it was darker. The fish had less chance of being spooked by that and better chance of fishing being successful. So these fishermen have worked all night, and now they're finished cleaning their nets, and this is when Jesus shows up. It says he got, verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Simon being Simon Peter, same person, Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. What are you confident about? In this world, what brings you confidence? What do you gain your confidence from? I've shared a story before, but when I look at my life, there's this one moment that I recognize there was something that I I gained a whole lot of confidence from, and so I'll share this again. One random day when I was in high school, I, I must have been bored, I decided to go into my brother's room, he was away at college, and just snoop through his stuff, right, and decide what there I could claim, what there should be for me, because that's what youngest siblings do. It is our right. When you leave stuff at home and you go away, Everything is rightfully ours, and that is okay. So all of this, it was up for me to grab. And so I went through my brother's stuff, which was my right. It was okay. It was already my property, basically. In his clothing, I found something amazing. Amazing and incredible. I don't know how I didn't know of it its existence before, but when I found it, it changed everything. I was going through his clothing, and I found this amazing amazing pair of bright green jeans. They were fantastic. If you are thinking green, I need you to think greener. Like multiply the green times green times 10. Think greener greener. They were beautiful and amazing. Like we're not talking, its they weren't neon green. They were kind of lime green, but bright in an awesome way. Like if lime green could be made just fantastic, that was these. Like you're picturing green, picture like grass, but like the best grass you've ever seen. Grass that just says I should frolic in that grass. Like it just looks like it's perfect. Like you just want to run through. We're talking Willy Wonka kind of grass. You know, the kind of grass that almost looks like candy that you're like, I think I could eat that grass. I don't know like, if I should, but I think I could eat that grass. That is the green that these jeans were, and they were fantastic. I knew they were wonderful because I remember walking into my Spanish class first class of the day, first class, wearing those green jeans, walking into Spanish class, and my Spanish teacher, Mrs. Huffman, was there, and she saw those jeans. Now, Mrs. Huffman was this big German lady who was teaching Spanish. It doesn't make sense, but she was awesome. She was my favorite teacher of all time, and she saw those jeans, and she said four fantastic words. Oh, my, my, my. (laughs) And I knew these jeans are, are fantastic. This is everything. And I can be honest with you, I wore those jeans and I loved it. They were a hit. I wore them as much as possible. I didn't want to be the stinky kid, so you couldn't wear them like every other day, or every day, right? Because you, you had to space it out because, obviously, like people are going to notice the jeans. They're going to keep an understanding of that. So, so I couldn't wear them every day, but every chance that I could, that was socially acceptable, right? I wore those jeans and they were wonderful. And in that moment, to be honest, I thought I needed those jeans. I needed confidence. And when I put those jeans on, I had it. I had it. What do you do, what do you have that gives you confidence? Is it certain clothing or jewelry, certain things you have or possess? Is it the car you roll around town is? Is it other possessions? Or maybe, maybe it's your work the business you've grown, the lifestyle you've created, the position of power that you have. What is it that gives you confidence? Because confidence, we all want it, we recognize it. We all need it, we all search for it, but is our confidence placed in the right things? Is our confidence placed in the right things? Is it placed in something that matters, something that lasts, something that will always be there for us? In this passage, we find Jesus is teaching Some people following him. He needs to find a good place to do that. So he sees Peter's boat and he asked to use it. The boat gave him a good vantage point apparently to speak to people probably lined up on the shore. It gave him a chance to separate himself from the crowd just a little bit where he could speak to everybody. And so the boat gave him that chance and opportunity. Now, as we understand the chronology of things, this is not Jesus' first meeting with Peter. It looks that way here in Luke, but it's actually not. In the book of John, we learn that Jesus and Peter met close to Jesus' baptism. And so there's already some familiarity between Jesus and Peter at this moment. And so even though Peter had just spent the night fishing and is cleaning up, he's kind of all finished cleaning up and everything's ready, he realizes that Jesus is someone important. He knows that already and so he allows Jesus to use his boat to speak from. You can imagine Peter grumbling here a little bit, right? I would be grumbling. I, can't, I don't think he's grumbling out loud, but in his mind, he's probably thinking, I just want to be in bed right now. I just cleaned all of this up, and now I'm back out in the water again. We don't know if he did grumble, but I think we can imagine he did. I would be grumbling. And then it got even more intense and more involved for Peter. After he's finished teaching, Jesus asked Peter to go further out into water and to let the nets down, those nets that he just cleaned up. Let them down into the water. You can hear in Peter's response that he has his doubts. Peter has just worked all night when the fishing is the best. He is tired. He is spent. He has nothing left to give. He has so little, and he's trying to be honest with Jesus about it. He's making one of those comments that is kind of like that thing like, I'll maybe do this, but he's actually looking for an out. He's looking for an excuse. He's looking for Jesus to say, oh, nah, never mind. Don't You don't have to do this. Peter feels like he has so little and he's trying to be honest with it. His skills at fishing that are probably very decent, they haven't worked. He has no strength left. His equipment has failed him. He has nothing, nothing to do. To be confident that this is going to work. He has nothing to be confident in. But one small thing. Just a little bit. But a little bit is always enough. A little bit of faith in Jesus Christ. And he says to Jesus, but because you say so. I've got no reason to do this. But because you say so. I will let down the nets a small amount of faith a little reluctant belief a confidence not strong but perfectly placed in jesus christ and that is all it takes an incredible catch hundreds of fish boats filled to sinking a miracle before peter's eyes and his life was changed forever his life was changed forever. We are so much like Peter, I believe. I believe we are so much like Peter. Often we feel the same, right? We ask God when we're called to do something in this world, we ask God, what do we have? What can we do? We feel spent, empty, useless, and we feel confident in nothing. Confident in nothing. We recognize that our world is plagued with a lack of confidence, plagued by a lack of confidence. One in three teenagers in America, statistics show, are bullied. It happens at school, at home, on social media. I am sure it happens at church. And if we're honest, at least my experience, one in three is very conservative. The numbers are much higher than that. At least that is my experience in school. Statistically, we know that girls reach their peak confidence at age 10 because then the world life and everything else hits them. Why did I need green jeans? Why did I need green jeans? I needed them to survive school, honestly. I needed confidence. I needed to feel unique. I needed something that made me feel like I had something. Something that made me special, that made me unique. Something I needed something. We all feel that. People, situations, life, we are bullied and our confidence is shattered. And the truth is, the bullies are bullying because they lack confidence as well, right? The reason they are bullies is because they don't have confidence. If you or your child is a bully or if you're being bullied, understand why bullies exist. Bullies have some slight position of power, some skill, some stuff, some thing But inside, they have no confidence, and so they feel like they need to steal someone else's. We all, in different moments, we all lack confidence. This isn't just our children. This is us. How much do we not do because we don't have the confidence to do it? We don't believe that we can save our marriage, communicate with our spouse, fix our family, save our friendships, speak with our parents or speak with our children, love our neighbor, shine a bright light for Jesus Christ, change our family, our school, our neighborhood, our world. We don't think we can because we don't think we have what it takes. And Jesus meets us there, where we're at with nothing, confident in nothing. And he lets us know there is only one thing we actually need. Just a small amount of faith. Just a reluctant enough belief to say to God, because it's you, God, yes, I will let down my nets. I will step forward for you. Here with nothing, that is the exact place where God wants us to be because that is all we need that matters is found in him. All we need that matters is found in him. I encourage each and every one of us to hear this. If we are new to Christianity, if we find ourselves in a place where we feel like we don't have the answers, we don't know things, I encourage us to recognize that no one no one starts with all the answers in Christianity. In truth, the less you have, the more God can answer. And if you find yourself in a place right now where you don't have the answers in life, you are right where God needs you because the less answers you have, the more answers he can fulfill. And when he answers, it is always better than when we do. Yes, Peter is the disciple who sank when walking on water. Yes, he is the disciple Jesus often had to correct. Yes, he is the one who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times and then further abandoned Jesus. But he is also the disciple who stepped out of the boat and walked on water beside Jesus. He is the disciple who first proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And he is the disciple who continually ran to Jesus after Jesus' death. He would run to Jesus' grave. He would run straight off of a boat to Jesus. And he would never stop running to Jesus with his life while he was on this earth. Peter would be like Moses and ask, who am I, only to find that the question doesn't matter because it is all about who God is. Peter would question, what do I have, only to discover that he didn't need anything, anything but a simple, reluctant faith in God. What was great about Peter? What made him the rock? It all started with his faith, reluctant at first. It would change his heart, and it would grow to change the world. You may be asking yourself right now, what do I have that matters? What do I have that matters? There is only one thing that matters, faith. A faith, a belief in God, a confidence in Him and in Him alone. Being the rock, that starts with our heart. Who we are and what we can accomplish in this world is all about the state of our heart and our faith in God. You wonder what you have in your life that could fix relationships, what we have that can, that can heal our families, what we have that can save our finances, that can mend brokenness, that can heal wounds, and we feel like we have nothing, we can have the one thing, the one thing that matters, and that is faith. We don't change anything that really matters in this world, but God changes everything. Confidence is all about our faith in God and the state of our heart in Him. So what does this mean for us? Probably the question you should be asking yourself is, what does this mean for me? For the things in my life, the challenges that I have, the the things that I need confidence to face, what does this mean for us? I can't answer that question for you. What I can do is I can tell you what this means to me. What does this mean, this truth, that my confidence cannot come from anything else in this world because, honestly, anything else in this world is fleeting and it can disappear. Anything else in this world will not be enough, but I can find my confidence in God. What does this mean for me? Let me show you three areas that this means to me, and you allow this to relate to you how you will. First off is with my children. I realize that with my children, unfortunately, there will always be bullies. They will often feel like they don't have enough, that they aren't enough, that they they don't look good enough, that they aren't smart enough. Confidence for them as it was with me and as it is with all of us will at times always be a struggle. As their father, I will continue to build in them and to continue to build them up. I will remind them of their value and their worth. I will remind them that they are handsome and beautiful and perfect and amazing and they are everything that I love about this world and they are fantastic and they bring light to my heart and I am proud of them and there is nothing they can do to change that, that they are fantastic and they will always rate highest in my heart and nothing can ever change that. And I will continue to pour those thoughts and those truths into their lives that they are special and they are more valuable than they can ever realize. But with that, I am now reminded that it's actually more valuable to point them to the truth that we have in God. To continually remind them that as valuable as they are to me, they are so much more valuable to God And their value is not in who they are or in what they have. It is in what they can find and what they can be in God. And their confidence should not come in any of those other things, but should always come from God. And I encourage the young people, but all of us, to hear this. I will recognize that in this world, someone will always have more than we do. That we will never feel like we are enough, and we will have moments where we will feel that way. We will often fail, and that is okay. It is good to try and to fail and to try again. We'll recognize that we will often question who we are, and others will question who we are, are, but we should ignore that, and we should be who God made us to be. And in plain and simple truth, remember that we have the one thing that can really bring us confidence, because all those other things that we find confidence in will fail us, but one thing, and that is faith in God. Life is not about what we have. It isn't about who we are and what we think that we can do. It is all about God, about who God is, about what God has done, and what God will forever continue to do. Real confidence never comes from us. It always comes from God. I apply this truth to my church as well, to our church. As a church, I encourage us to remember this. We are at a place in our church right now where we are, are seeking to take a big step and we recognize that. We recognize that as a church we are growing and we have an opportunity in this community to provide love and care like we haven't had before, but we recognize to do that a building would change our ministry, change what we could do to outreach to this community to bring discipleship and love and care and spend time together to bring meaning and value and connection and fellowship. And And I recognize in that Confidence is a thing. It is a thing for us. I've heard it said sometimes to me or, or through others these questions. How can we build a building? How can we change this community? How can we disciple people? How can we reach the lost? The truth is, we can't. But God can. And God will. This week I sat in my office going through numbers. I felt like I needed to do this because I wanted to provide confidence for myself and for others when I would sit down with them and talk about the building. I was doing some financial calculations, giving estimates, looking into lending, and and all of those numbers and details. And I was like, I need to get these things figured out so we can have confidence and this is something that we can achieve. And the truth is, I didn't like the numbers before me. I didn't like the numbers and the truth is not because they were too big because honestly, as I looked at those numbers, this, the facts, it started to become too easy, too simple for us. And I don't know what that means, but it left me with the thought that I didn't like it because I recognized we could do this on our own confidence. We don't really need God and I, I didn't like that. Again, I don't know what that means. I just put it out there and say to you this, How do you build a church building? How do you change a community? How do you disciple people? How do you reach the lost? Like Peter, we do it with faith. Even just a little reluctant faith, a hesitant yes. Confidence will not come from our numbers. True confidence will come from God. And as we take steps forward, may we make sure that we take steps of faith. Not in our own confidence, which will be the forever temptation, but in his confidence. Finally, and I'll leave you with this, let me tell you what this means for me and my confidence. Because this is a thing. Let me be transparent and honest and I, I ask that you not hold this in any way against me. Confidence is a thing for me that I battle Weekly, I battle daily, it is real. I battle it all the time. With all that I know and should know about God, at times I find myself still leaning on my youth, my smile, my health, my hair, my ability to make people laugh. It is easy to try and lean on my own confidence. But as I've learned again and again, all of that can disappear so quickly. In many moments it has. At times my confidence is attacked, a long week, a task that I wasn't enough for, an individual who is disappointed in my weaknesses or inabilities, that doesn't even mention a sermon that I feel wasn't good. Nothing can destroy my confidence for a month or more like a sermon that just, I just did not feel was good. And I'll be honest with you, at times I am bullied. Yes, pastors get bullied by people, by the community, and at times by other pastors and churches. I heard an area church leader say that because things were going so good here, there must be something wrong. At first I asked myself, what? It it doesn't make sense, but I'll be honest with you, it left me hurt and it left me questioning what is wrong. My personal confidence at times gets shot And still far too often, I find myself trying to lean on my own confidence. And I would encourage you to remember as I have to remind myself again and again to remember it is not about us. It is not about me. It's not about what we have. It's not about what we can do. It is all about God. It is all about who he is and about his strength. And in that truly, That is when we find the truth behind Jesus saying that in God, all things are possible. Because all things are not possible in my will, my desires, my dreams, my confidence. But all things are possible in God's will, in his desires, in his dreams, and when we find our confidence in him. I would encourage you, if you feel called right now in your life, To take a step forward. If there is a burden on your heart, something you want to accomplish, but you don't know how, you don't feel like you have what it takes, I would encourage you to remember Peter. Peter became the rock, and it all started with a simple, somewhat hesitant, very reluctant, yet perfectly placed faith in Jesus Christ to say yes to Jesus. Yes. I will let down my nets. Not because of what I have, Jesus, but because of who you are. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, God, I thank you for the opportunities that we have to live for you. God, I recognize that we don't do that on our own strength. We do that by your strength. First, God, I pray over the young people who are represented here this morning, the young people that we influence here in this church, in this community, and God, I pray over them in terms of confidence. God, I know that they are filled in a world where they evaluate themselves by other people and by what other people say, and I recognize that their confidence is attacked every moment of their lives. And so, God, I pray over them. I ask that those of us who have influence over them, we would continually build into them the truth of their value that we would continually give them freedom and room to make mistakes and to still be loved. But God, through all of that, I would ask that you would help us to guide them to this truth that in the end, it's not about what they have, who they are, what they can do. It is all about you. And that is real, where real confidence for life is found. God, we pray over our young people. May they find their confidence in you. God, I pray over our church. God, we have a wonderful opportunity to change this community, to love it, and to make a difference. God, we recognize you are calling our church to some big steps that can be scary. God, the temptation is to do the math, and we will, to figure out those details, but to lean on our own confidence. God, may it never be about us and what we can do. May we continually take steps of faith, steps that challenge us, that scare us, because it is steps that are placed in you, God. And so, God, may we take those steps of faith. May we place our confidence not in ourselves, but always in you. And God, I pray over every individual here. Individuals like I know I am, God, who suffer with our confidence at times, who find it so easy to get discouraged to attack ourselves or to allow the world to attack us. And God, I ask that you would just allow each and every one of us to recognize that, wow, yes, we do have reasons in this world where we may find our confidence, God. May we recognize that those places of confidence are fleeting, may we recognize that our true confidence is found in you. God, if we have a challenge before us, a need before us, that you are calling us to move forward in, to faithfully take steps forward in, God, may we not lean on our own confidence. May we recognize that that we do have confidence in nothing because our confidence isn't in anything that we have or can do. It is everything in you. And so, God, may we not lean on our own confidence. May we lean on you, God. And God, as you did with Peter, when we even reluctantly, hesitantly, inconvenienced, we we say yes to you, God. We ask that you would provide us with an abundance of blessing, as you did for Peter. May our boats and our lives overflow with your blessing. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close in worship this morning?